Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. I don't know about you, but I'm like still worn out from retreat. Ooh, that was a good time though, huh? For those of you who didn't get to come this year, just go ahead and mark it on your calendar for next year. You're going to say, how do I mark it? Because I don't know the date. Be watching for the date. We're, we're trying to lock that in with Camp Palakwa, and, uh, but plan on it. It's my first retreat. And can I just tell you, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever be able to go back to anything. This was, this was like amazing. And I am somebody who loathes camp meetings, okay? So like this is like, I'm telling you, like conferences ought to come take a look at what whole life does because this like you would, you could, yeah, right? This is all right. So uh, I know we uh, thank Stanley and Joe uh, for Saturday night program, but I think we would be remiss if we didn't say thank you to Tammy Sincamani, who really, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the entire staff works really hard to make that happen, and I'm just grateful to be um, a part of that amazing group of people. So uh, let's have a word of prayer and get into the word. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we really need you to talk to us today. We want to hear from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use the preparation that I've put into this sermon, but I also pray that you would work beyond that because I'm pretty not capable, not like you are. So I'd love for you to say what you want to say today. In your name I pray it. Amen. All right. So if you're not aware, we're in a 11-part series on the Ten Commandments. I was having... Uh, lunch with a couple of my pastor friends here in the area this week. And they, I said, they said, oh, you're doing a series on the Ten Commandments, 10-part series. I said, no, 11. They're like, there's 10 commandments. I was like, yeah, well, that's, you remember the 11th, right? The great commandment. Anyway, but no, but, but you know, we have to do a little intro. So anyway, so good discussion with them. Today's, I'm just going to be honest with you. Let's go ahead and look at today's commandments. It's the second commandment. We've done the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Today is the second commandment. It's going to be a little redundant just going to be honest with you. A little redundant, right? Let's take a look at it. Um, You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image or anything in all the heavens or the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other God. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even the children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. A little awkward, okay? Can we just be honest? Just a little awkward, right? This is not, this is not New Testament nice Jesus. This is, this is the stuff we try to stay away from in the Old Testament, right? This is mean God, right? So let's just go ahead and forget about that, that second part of that commandment. Let's just not worry about that. Um, and let's go ahead and just take a look at the first one. You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image or anything, blah, 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 right? It's pretty much what we talked about last time we did a sermon, you know, right? First commandment, thou shalt have no other gods. We covered that. Can we just move on now? Everybody good with that? Can we just move on? Good, let's move on. I've got something else I'd rather do. I brought a box from home with me today. 
And I thought it would be way more fun for us just, oh, I hope I don't get a hernia. Okay. So, uh, Darling, can you make your way down here? I, I, I'm, I'm picking on Darling. I told her ahead of time. So the rest of you who are sitting there shaking in fear that I'm going to call you down front. If I didn't talk to you, you're safe. All right. So, Darling, can I help you up? Yes. There we go. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. So, Darling, um, you're here ahead of time, so I can't play the little game of how many times do you think that, uh, that I've moved in the last 23 years of marriage. I've been married for 23 years. For those of you who weren't here earlier, didn't hear, how many homes or apartments do you think Rochelle and I have lived in in 23 years? 10, five, like five or three, that's a reasonable number, right? We've lived in 12. So yeah, so about every two years, we just like, yeah, let's just pack everything up because there's nothing better than packing, right? Boxes are amazing. And uh, I am grateful for boxes. I've discovered in my moves, ignore the color. The color isn't what's important, but the box, it's hefty, it's plastic. It really carries that heavy stuff really well. And honestly, this is the honest truth. I actually, I pulled this box out of my, out of my garage this morning. This is one of the last boxes I haven't really kind of fully sorted through. You can see it's kind of brimming out. So darling, I'm going to need your help this morning because um, we're, we're moving on from the, you know, unpleasantness that we read a little earlier. And, um, and so I'm going to need your help. I need to figure out what, what we can fit in this box that would give you a complete picture of me. Because this, is, this isn't my box. That's why it's that's why it still hasn't been put away and properly sorted through. Rochelle, do, Rochelle does the right thing with her stuff. I'm a little bit, whoa, he's losing his pants. That's not good. Sorry about that. Um, so anyway, so this, uh, this is uh, a stuffed animal one of my camp staffs gave to me after one summer. That's kind of cool. This is a, a remembrance from New Zealand. Um, it's awesome. It's when I lived there for a year. This one's kind of fun. This is my, uh, the staff at Madison Campus Church. They each record a little message. Yeah, so anyway, they each recorded their own little message on there. I won't play them all, but this is for me to remember them too. And then um, this, this is a, this has some pictures from a while back when Rashawn and I were a little bit younger, quite a bit younger. Anyway, so there you go. So that's, there's that. I'm not actually going to throw that one because I don't want, okay. And then, oh, uh, this, is, this is the hard, ooh, uh-oh, what did I do there? Um, so this is one of the camp staff teams that I had. This is, um, need to hurry. We don't have a ton of time. Uh, this, is, this is probably from my favorite uh, summer camp play that we did. It's another one of my teams. This is when I was anchoring the news. Um, let's see. This is a very nice, oh, whoops. This one looks like it might've broke. That's not good. Um, yeah, this one's just some leftover. This is when I was a student, ooh, packing tape. Um, this when I was a student missionary. Don't try to help me, darling. It's not going to work. Uh, more stuffed animals from New Zealand. Ooh, these are some of my favorites. I actually, like back when I was a kid, anybody old enough to remember when they were actually giving these things out at, I don't know, McDonald's or Burger King or somewhere? California raisins. Those are pretty cool. Um, also happened to really like, uh, Mary Poppins. And this is, uh, Dick Van Dyke. And then there's Julie Andrews and I don't know why I have the tiger. He's kind of cool. Um, oh, this is kind of cool. So when I was a this conference Pathfinder director, um, I had somebody come in who, you know how they trade pins and stuff at Camperies? 
I had the guy who actually makes pins for most people and he was trying to get me to buy his. He brought me a ton of pins. So I've got a ton of Pathfinder pins there. Um, this is from Borneo. I did a mission trip there. I think this is one of our t-shirts from here more recently. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's a couple I did premarital counseling with. This is the motto from Madison Campus Church. Love God, love people, serve the world. This is my, oh, whoops. This is my uh, diploma from getting my master's degree. We'll be very careful with that. Um, oh, employee of the year when I worked in television. That was pretty good. Um, this is a journal. Um, I actually have more filled out journals, but I didn't want to take a chance of somebody coming in later and actually reading it. Um, oh, this one's sad. This is actually one of my church members I did a memorial service for. Um, this is, again, from another church. Anyway, oh, my Southern Adventist University college diploma. Um, I shouldn't throw it around. It was pretty expensive. Um, all right. And then uh, this is, this is oh, look at that. There's some pictures of Eric and Kyla. Um, oh, this is my ordination bulletin. There we go. So here's what I need you to do. Um, I need you to figure out, because I need to get the lid on this box. I've got a lid here. And obviously not everything fit in there. But what I'd really like you to do is just put the stuff in there that would tell you everything that you needed to know about me. Not sure about everything. Darling, let's move. We, we're, real, we're like, there's 19 <laughs> minutes left. I don't feel good about that, to be honest with you, because I feel bad that uh, some of my female colleagues didn't get ordained. And, and I, so I, I actually, I'm not sure how I feel about that being in there, but you do what you want to do. It's your, it's your box. I'll hang it on the side. On the side. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, the journal. The journal. Okay. Even though there's only if one page filled out, you feel like that's going to, that's, that's, that's fair. It's a start. It's a, it's start. a start. That's true. Um, accomplishment expensive it's how that, we got you here i totally agree with that one by the way that one definitely should go in there that's a okay. good one um, you've got about 20 more seconds darling okay, you, okay. you gotta move a little quicker okay, okay, than okay. this we don't we do um, not have all day the family for this. The, the photo the photo album you are not as helpful as i thought you were the gonna photo be I, I picked you because i really thought you'd be the able to photo cut album. the photo album where is that at i don't know the thing it's, is in florida as you move here you need to know you got to have the lid on it because of cockroaches that's a, yeah that's what my wife so, told me that's why i brought it so you could do this for me so today it's under Piled under somewhere. Look, Numa's going to help you. Thank you. Numa, you're awesome. Lovely. There we go. All right. hard to find all that stuff without the box. Already. Okay. That's good enough since we have a time constraint. We did run out of time. You only put three things in there. And I'm going to be honest with you, if we're really honest about it, I don't know how I feel about closing that box up with my ordination thing half in and half out. I don't know about that. Darling, you've been a good sport. Give Darling a hand. Thank you for coming up. I'll help you off the, uh, yes, there we go. That was the prerequisite. The, that was the prerequisite. And, and I, I met my end of things. You didn't really feel yours, but that's all right. All right. I was actually honestly surprised because I thought if you really wanted to know everything about me, you'd probably want me to get into the box, right? But I wouldn't fit in that box, would I? You hear me? You're smart people. 
when we start talking about the second commandment, it's easy for us to breeze right over it. Firstly, it is uncomfortable. There's this all this talk about the sins of the parents upon the children, and, and that's just that's un, unfortunate and doesn't feel like the Jesus I know. And then there's that whole, um, and, and I like the blessing part, the thousand generations, but it's easy to skip over that second commandment because let's just be honest, I don't have any idols in my house. I mean, TV, whatever. Yeah, okay. But you know what I mean? I don't like have an idol that represents God or an idol that represents other gods that I go and that I kneel down before and I worship. And so easy to take this commandment and just kind of skip over it kind of quickly. But this is a commandment about boxes. It's a sermon about trying to contain God. That's what this commandment is about. It's about the ways that we as human beings try to contain, box up, if you will, God. Like I said, in the first, in the first uh, sermon that I did on Thou Shalt Have No Other Gods Before Me, in that sermon, we talked about all the, all the different myriad of gods there are. But in this sermon, this sermon includes all of that. But what I'd like to add is all the ways, all the ways that we try to box God up and then worship him in a smaller form than he actually is. It's not insignificant that in Deuteronomy, this is recorded. Be very careful. You do not, you did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman, an animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground, or a fish in the deepest sea. Did you catch that first part? The children of Israel never saw God. They never saw his form. They never saw God's form. And Jesus in John chapter one affirms that. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one who himself is God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. I think it's a fascinating thing that Jesus came at a time in history where there weren't digital cameras, where there wasn't a lot of um, portrait art really taking place. There's some. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus came a time in history where we have to hear the stories about him, but we don't get to see the pictures of him. And what I find fascinating is that across cultures, across continents, across people groups, we all envision Jesus looking like us. There's white Jesus, there's black Jesus, there's brown Jesus, there's Chinese Asian Jesus. We all take a look at God through the lens of who we are because that is our natural instinct. Our natural instinct is to look at Jesus, look at God and try to reduce him to ourselves. Now, I'm not knocking us identifying with Jesus. That's a good thing. 
But when we start to try to box him up and limit him, we start to run into big, big, big problems that have profound impacts on our children and their children and their children. The problem is, is that when we worship a God that is limited, it creates limitations for us and for our kids who are watching us. What was the point of idols in Old Testament times? The IVP Bible, um, Old Testament Bible background commentary shares this about it. The IVP Old Testament Bible background commentary says, images of deity in ancient Near East were where the deity became present in a special way to the extent that the cult statue became the God when the God so favored his worshipers, even though it was not the only manifestation of the God. As a result of this linkage, spells, incantations, and other magical acts could be performed on the image in order to threaten, bind, or compel the deity. Family, is it possible that we have some images that we may not bow down to in our homes, but we bow down to? That we use to to try to manipulate God? One of my favorites is prayer. Prayer is a beautiful thing. We need to do it. But what happens when we start thinking it's something that if we just get the words just right, we say them in just the right order, God is compelled to do what we tell him to do. Sounds like an idol. It sounds like a way that I have suddenly taken God and made him down into an image that I can manipulate that's small enough for me to wrap my human mind around. Another one that I think that a lot of Christians struggle with is the Bible. There are a lot of Christians that worship this more than they worship God. If God does something that they don't understand from Scripture, then the Scripture wins. And some of you say, well, the the, the Bible never contradicts. Bible never contradicts itself. Well, I wonder how you would have felt if you were Jewish back in the day of Paul when he said that circumcision was no more, no longer important and did not need to happen. If you knew your scriptures, you knew that God said to the Jewish people, this is an eternal covenant. And what happened in the, when we look into the Old Testament is we see that a lot of good scripture-fearing people went up against Paul. So said, no, 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 no. These Gentiles have no place until they become a part of the eternal covenant. Because why? Because they limited God to the scriptures. Now, a few of you are getting really uncomfortable right now, Okay. But don't be uncomfortable with me. Be uncomfortable with Jesus. 
John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. In other words, I am bigger than a box. Some of you are going to hear me saying that I don't believe in the Bible, and somebody's sure going to pull this up and try to put it online, I'm sure. Make sure you include this part of it. I believe in the Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe we need to be paying attention to what's in it. But when we make it more important than the God that gave it to us, we've got a big problem on our hands. When we think that God is limited to how he's acted in the past, we miss what the Bible is telling us throughout, that God speaks to each time and age in their language and in their way. God is eternal and he does not change. But the methods he uses for reaching his people vary according to the needs of the people that he's reaching. And if you are unwilling to come to the giver of the scripture, you have just taken a bunch of wonderful things that will give you information, but you do not actually know me. You could not, if you go through this, you don't have the slightest picture of who I really am. You've got, I mean, a little bit, but you don't know me. What would happen if you took this whole box and somebody took it home and said, now I know Pastor Ken. Ken, don't talk to me anymore. I know you. Stop. Can I step on some toes a little bit further? What about worship? There's some of you that come to this church and you think this is your experience with God. It is an experience with God, but it is not, it, I hope it's not your only experience. It's one of the reasons why people get so upset when things get moved around in church services. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure when Jesus was here, they were singing Blessed Assurance. I'm pretty sure that, the, this, that, that a while back, God set the, the tone for all music for all time. I'm pretty sure that that's the way it has to be. And yet, what does Solomon tell God when he creates probably arguably the most beautiful worship place ever? But will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. It's the height of hubris for us to think that God can be contained by something we build, that we create. And the sad part of it is, is that when we do that, we limit our walk with God. We limit it for ourselves. We limit it for our children. I think one of the reasons why so many young people and youth leave the church is because the church has become so good at putting God in boxes. And anytime God speaks to a child in a way that doesn't go along with what we think it has to be, we quick grab the lid and shove the kid back in and shove God back in with them. And we don't understand when they want to come out and say, isn't God bigger than just the box that you put here? Again, I'm going to say it. I love what the Seventh-day Adventist Church teaches. I believe in it wholeheartedly. But there's something wrong when we worship 28 fundamental beliefs more than we worship the giver of those beliefs. When we become so fanatical about maintaining 
what we like. Isn't that the, just the art of creating an idol? We assume that that idol, we make that idol exactly what we like. Instead of really asking, is that really what God wants or is that what I need him to be for me? I'll talk about one final thing that I think ought to be talked about. I've seen, I've seen, it was kind of amusing. You remember back in the day when American Idol began and Christians went nuts about, you know, idols, blah, blah, blah. And yet Christians have been worshiping their pastors for centuries. I won't, I won't name the Adventist celebrity pastor, but you'll know who it is. There is a website that put up a joke about them doing, this Adventist pastor doing something that wasn't very Adventist. And what made me laugh harder than that story was the people that said, if that pastor's doing it, then, then I, I have to believe it's okay. These are people who would normally say, no, no that, that could never be okay. But if pastor so-and-so is doing it, then it's okay. Beware of pastors. It's really easy to start worshiping them rather than the person who's giving them messages to share. You need to have your relationship with Jesus. I'm happy to have a relationship with all of you, but I'm not Jesus. And I am a pretty pretty pathetic substitute. Beware of idols in your life, family. Beware of them. They creep in and we actually think they are God. And so we just start defending them. Well, I'm not, I'm not worshiping an idol. I'm not worshiping an idol. Are you or aren't you? You might be. And like I said, there's all kinds, we can talk, we talked about in the first sermon about all the idols that are out of the false gods, but I want to talk about how we box God up. Anything that you make into a God, anything that you can put in a box, I can guarantee it isn't God because God is too big for that. Just like I'm too big to fit into this. My memories, the things that I've done in my life, that box doesn't come close to filling what my experience is. So how on earth could we ever box up the God that created everything that has no beginning and has no end? And I want to go back. It seems harsh when you see God saying, I visit the sins upon the children of the second and third generation. But I want to speak to that for a moment. When I hear God saying that, I hear him saying, gravity gotcha. If I walk to the edge of a cliff and I step off, is it gravity that hates me? Or is it me stepping off and not realizing the laws of gravity? Gravity doesn't, gravity is not hating me. And when God tells us the laws of the universe, one of the things we ought to understand is that God doesn't hate us. He's explaining to us how gravity works. And the things that I do will impact my children. They absolutely will. Scientifically, you can prove it. 
I don't feel like I have to get into all the science studies that just, it is a known fact that the things that I do will absolutely impact my children and their children. But here's the cool thing about God. The cool thing about God is says yes to the second and third generation for those who ignore me, who hate me, who choose not to, to follow me because they're ignoring gravity. But for those that love me, a thousand generations. How much more is a thousand times two or three? God's blessings are always bigger than the curses. They always cover up and go beyond anything that the curse can do. And so what that means is that as I follow God, the blessings can continue on for thousands of generations. But God does care about us not uh, worshiping idols. In Revelation 21, verse 8, there's a list of those people that will not be in heaven, that will not get to enjoy what heaven is. And we spend a lot of time on a lot of, a lot of different things, but I think it's actually worth spending a little bit of time on and have a little bit of concern that those of you who worship the Bible more than God are right out there with the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, so on and so forth. Idol worship's a problem. Why? Because it limits God and keeps you from having a full relationship with God. God wants to have a unlimited relationship with you. He does not want to be constrained. He wants to be more than you could ever imagine him to be. That's why when John concludes the first of his books, this is the last thing he says to the people that he loves. You can feel the tenderness in what he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. May I finish that off with you today? Family, Let's not limit God. Let's not box him up and try to lid him. Let's not get in the way of our kids when they want to explore the vastness of who God is. Let's be open to who God is as he reveals it to us. It's no accident that there is no likeness of Jesus, that there is no likeness of God because God wants us to focus on our relationship with him and relationships work best without boxes. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Ken, for that excellent depiction of a little bit of who you are. I feel like I got to know a little bit. I think we definitely should have captured the stuffed animal in the box, but that's just my personal preference. Well, there you go. Maybe we can ask you up in second service. So you can, you know, we could. Actually, I'm going to need somebody to repack that box before second <laughs> service. So, you know. Well, challenge accepted. Well, I do think that just one of the points that you touched on about, you know, God doesn't necessarily always give us what we want, but he always gives us what we need. And if we try to limit and put, you know, some of those ideations in a box, it can make it really challenging for our faith to continue to expand and our love to grow within him. But I will say we are receiving a lot of questions throughout the chat. So we'll go ahead and dive right in. So our first question is from Trifina. So where do we start? If we do stop, if not boxed in, the thought can be daunting, especially for those who have grew up boxed in. So is this a form of self-expression? And then how do we limit? Wow, there's a lot in there, isn't there? A lot of good things in there. So 
starting at the end, how do we limit God? Um, I think that one of the ways that we limit God is any time that we start thinking that we are there. We've figured out everything that we need to figure out, that, that everything has been revealed that needs to be revealed. I think we need to um, keep a sense of awe and wonder at who God is. And um, many of us did grow boxed up. Uh, we are told there's, there's one size that basically fits all, and this is the box that everything can fit in. Um, and one of the things that I would just encourage is to um, spend time with God and ask him to open up new, new things to you. It's amazing that most of the growth that's happened in my, in my life has been very unintentional. Um, don't get me wrong, there's been very intentional growth in my life too, but some of the greatest growth moments in my life have come because God has put them there, and I've been open to it. Um, I shared with you a while back about um, some of the experience that I, that I had in Nashville learning about the history of um, African Americans in the Seventh Adventist Church. That didn't happen because I went looking for it. It happened because I had an open heart and was asking God to make me aware of what I wasn't. And God put people into my life that opened my eyes to some things that I hadn't seen or understood before. Um, and so what I would say is the first step, Trophina, to really getting out of the box is to give God permission to take the lid off. And that's a scary thing. I want you to know that don't do that lightly because when God does that, it's, it can be very terrifying because some of the things that you felt so sure about can really suddenly feel not right. Think about the, the Jews in Jesus' time. Think about what a, a pivot they would have had to do emotionally to go from this idea of a conquering Savior to a suffering Savior. They had the idea that that the Messiah was going to come and was going to liberate them from Rome and from the oppressors and make them the number one nation in the world. And for Jesus to come along, it, it shook to the core those beliefs and those things. And I think that we are, have a lot of hubris today if we don't think that God couldn't be doing some of the same things to us that God doesn't have some things that he's like, yeah, you don't have it all figured out yet. The God of the universe can still show you some things that you weren't aware of and do things differently than you thought they could be done. Yes, certainly. And I think all of us can relate in the sense of it's easy to compartmentalize, whether it's aspects of leading our team, leading our families, being a husband, wife, whatever the case may be. So being able to let go and let God is really key in all of our interpersonal relationships. So we do have only time for one more question, but don't worry. We are going to capture the rest of the responses in podcast. this week's podcast. So make sure to tune in and see the rest of your questions answered. So our next question comes from Zoe. And the question is, how do I keep from making things like the Bible, worship, pastors, whichever it may be, be more important than the relationship with God? When do those things sort out? And then how do I sort those accordingly? Yeah. I've heard people say, well, if this, if this pastor, this preacher, this evangelist lost their faith, I would be completely undone. That's how you know you have an idol. If you would be completely undone by anything other than Jesus, 
then you have an idol in your life. Um, and that's not to say that you couldn't feel hurt and pain and, and that sort of thing. But if it takes your faith away, your faith in God is taken away because this thing is removed, then you're worshiping an idol. And so how do you do that? Again, I think that, and, and I, it's so, so, it sounds so trite, but I just, it's the truth. It's keep looking at Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on him and ask him to keep idols out of your life and ask him to make your heart open to anything that he wants to do in you. And um, as you do those things, um, as you stay focused on the Jesus that, uh, that we can know through scripture, through prayer, through nature, that's when um, you will grow and when the other idols in your life will, will fade into the background. But um, just always ask yourself, when you say God would never do that, be careful. Not saying that he wouldn't. I mean, there's some things God never would do. But a lot of times when we say God doesn't like this, God doesn't like that, that's a time for sitting back and some, some reflection. Is that, am I saying something that God truly doesn't like or am I saying something that I don't like? Maybe for a good reason. I don't like murder. I think that's a bad thing. I would agree. But we, also, but we also see in the Bible some uncomfortable places where God says to take life. So we have to be really careful. I can only imagine what it must have been like for Abraham to be told to sacrifice his son, something that God, by the way, specifically forbids in the Bible. But God tells Abraham to do it, and Abraham is willing to go there. Um, I know that there's some out there who don't like that, but the Bible calls him the father of faith after that. So um, the question is, how, how much are you willing to trust God? How much are you willing to do what he says and listen to his voice? Amen. Well, thank you so much for today's sermon. And like I alluded to earlier, please remember to check our podcast this week to answer the remainder of your questions. Thank you, Sierra. All right. Family, I love you. I love you a bunch. And I hope that you will love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. I hope that you won't put God into a little box and not allow him to be the all-powerful God that he wants to be in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, go with us. Help us to take the good news about you to a world that desperately needs it. Help us not to limit you. Um, help us to have discernment, to know between right and wrong. Um, and help us to keep our eyes firmly fixed on you. Pray in your name. Amen. I love you. I love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace, and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. 
all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.